The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Rapid Sales Accelerator. If you're ready to skyrocket your sales by 30% or more in just 90 days, then you need to claim your free training right now. You'll learn four words that will compel your prospects to trust you like they were children within the first three to five minutes of any conversation across any platform and any medium. You'll learn how to give your prospects objection amnesia to crush objections like I need to talk to my spouse or I need more time to think it over or it's too expensive. And finally, you'll get a free recorded audio training that will install unbelievable attitudes for success and wipe out any limiting beliefs. So if you'd like to claim your free training now, go to www.paulrossbook.com. Do it before your competition does it now. Welcome to the Influencer's Edge. This is the place where you come to get the latest breakthroughs, cutting edge insights, tools, and techniques to leapfrog over the pack in sales, persuasion, and influence. Be sure you visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now sit back, tune in, and enjoy today's episode. Well, welcome to the Influencer's Edge. Once again, I am your host with the most, Paul Ross. And today we have as our guest, Jeffrey Winters. Jeffrey, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Paul. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Sure. I I warned you that this is going to be a different kind of show. Where are you? Where am I speaking? Well, I'm speaking to you from San Diego. Where are you located, sir? I'm in St. Louis and very specifically... I am in the old studio of the rapper Nelly. So I, that's where I am specifically am in St. Louis. Wow, that? looks like you're in an official studio too. Right? <laughs> right. Looks like it looks like we got our stuff together here. Fantastico. So let me go through your biography. I, I store things in my iPhone. People can't see it through my little mm-hmm. screen. All right. But let me just go through it. Your short bio, which is pretty long. While at a previous sales position, Sapper founder. Jeff Winters implemented a unique email strategy that consistently landed him in Fortune 100 boardrooms. Well, we can't go, we just can't go sailing off into the sunset and leave that alone. So tell me a little bit more about, I'm sure there are many people, including me, who would like to get into Fortune 100 boardrooms where the emails are are put into those electronic circular files. So what was that strategy? Yeah. So quick backstory. I was 27 years old. I was in a job that I did not love. And I got hired to be the chief revenue officer at a new company at this technology company, which, you know, at the time I was like, thought, of course, this guy found me. Of course, he found me a random 26 or 27 year old guy to be in this awesome job. He had figured out I had the potential that my mother always said that I had. And then I got there on the first day and he was like, well, you know, the product doesn't really work and we've never really sold it to anybody and you can only sell it to Fortune 500 companies. Go. Like that was my, you know, first day as the head of sales at this business. And I realized this guy hadn't found me out of obscurity. This guy couldn't find anybody else to take this job. So I started trying to get meetings and sell this software for six months with nothing. And so I was dusting off my resume and I thought, you know what, let me give it one last ditch effort. And I started 
started waking up at 3.30 in the morning and sending funny emails to C-level people at huge companies. And they responded. What do you <laughs> mean by of them. funny? With jokes no. or riddles in them? or uh, not, not really riddles and not like ha-ha humor. You ever see like uh, Ocean's Eleven? You ever see that movie? Love that movie. Yeah, there's a famous scene where Brad Pitt is talking to Matt Damon and he's like, be funny, but don't make him laugh. That was my theory, you know? And it was, the email started, my name is Jeff Winters. I'm the head of sales at a startup-ish company based in a basement office of, you know, in St. Louis, Missouri. And like, I went on from there. It was like a little funny. And this was before funny emails were everywhere. So, um, and I got in these meetings and these people in these meetings who were generally C-level executives, these huge businesses would go, you know, we're excited to see your software, but how the hell did you get this meeting? <laughs> why don't you, I want to know why you never created a course on doing that or a training program, or did you? I created a company. So I like on one of these meetings, I flew home and quit. And I was like, I think I can do this for anybody. And I started a business 10 years ago called Sapper Consulting and uh, got it to 150 people and sold it to the company I'm at now, Abstract Marketing Group. Brilliant, man. Brilliant. I think te I am a master teacher of neurolinguistic programming. And one of the things we talk about is the power of the pattern interrupt. And I think when you send an email that's not typical, of what people are used to. It makes a great pattern interrupt. And so it really gets their attention. So kudos to you. I don't know if you were aware of the term pattern interrupt or not, but I was, that's I was aware. I was aware of so little at that time. I was aware <laughs> that I was in a job that I didn't love. And I thought I could do something that would help other people. And they're like, we were on from there. You know, it's funny. Wow. You have so many business, like people that start businesses that have like these great thesis and they've tested it out and they fell the pro I didn't have any of that shit. I just, uh, did something I knew how to Fire, do. ready, aim. <laughs> I, think I love that. Or move yeah. quick and break things fast. So by the time you finished your pitch, the companies would grill him on his strategy. Great product. How the heck did you get on this meeting? In 2013, after having this, hearing this a dozen too many times, he started Sapper Cult Consulting. Since then, Jeff has led the business to become one of the fastest growing companies in St. Louis and was recently featured in St. Louis Business Journal's list of 40 under 40. Thank you. He's a candid, thoughtful, and dynamic leader. Jeff now serves as Chief Revenue Officer of Abstract, where he continues to drive innovative sales strategies and business growth. Did I get that about right? Yeah. Painful to listen to your own bio, but I'm sure everybody says that. <laughs> okay. Um, most recently, you've been combating the narrative that cold calling is dead and talking about how cold calling creates sustainable growth. Now, let's pause right here. So many salespeople, and this among the audience is geared towards salespeople, not all. Cold calling is sort of Whoa, it's, I'm just going to get hung up on and hum, hung up on. So let's get the definitions. I don't like Voltaire once said, if you're going to debate with me or discuss with me, you have to define your terms. So what do you mean by cold calling? Voltaire. Nice. Um, by cold calling, I mean calling someone who may or may not be interested in your services that meets a set of criteria where they ought to be potentially interested in your services that you've never talked to before ever in any way. Right. 
Okay. So how do you get around the fear of the salesperson that they're not even going to be listened to? They're just going to have the phone slammed in their ear. I tell them that they are right, that that will 100% happen. <laughs> There's no question. It's like, you know, I would equate it to how do you get somebody to exercise knowing that it's going to be hard and they're going to sweat and it's going to be miserable. It's like you tell them that the other side of that is so great. When they're done, it's going to be awesome. And that's and that's what salespeople need to know. I'm not going to – no one can come on and say – you're not going to get hung up on or nobody's going to listen to you. Of course you are. Like, you know, it's, it's harder to be great at cold calling than it is to, you know, be a good major league hitter. And they say that that's hard. You know, you, you're, 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 if you're getting five people out of every hundred to schedule a meeting with you, you're in the hall of fame. So, you know, that's, you got to be prepared for those ratios. So here's the thing. Do you think yeah. people can be taught to accept those ratios or are there people who just have thick skin and can shrug it off or they have a perspective that lets them laugh it off? What are the psychological? So there's the technological skill sets you teach them how to make the call, but there's the psychological mindsets that you teach them to handle the no or F you or get lost or why are you bothering me and et cetera, et cetera. So two really good questions, and uh, I'll answer the first one first. So is it born or can it be taught? I think there's probably three groups of people. The first is, I'm okay with rejection. This doesn't bother me. I can make cold calls. Great. The, the, then there's a, the second group, which is, this can never, I am never going to be able to handle this. Never, never, never. And people think that group is this big, and I'm, my hands are spread apart for those listeners out there not watching, and it's actually this big, which is really, really small. So the vast, vast majority of people, even those that the vast majority of people who think they are in bucket two, meaning they can never make a cold call or handle rejection, are, are not. And I'll tell you a story. I mean, our current head of cold callers, meaning she cold called, she managed cold callers, she VP'd cold callers, she runs 200 people who make cold calls, hated, hated making cold calls for the first two weeks, cried. I mean, it was terrible. So it 100% can be Taught, I don't know if taught's the right word, but like you can help bring that resilience out of people. And then the question is, how do you do it? So uh, number one, you have to have some mantras, some interesting things that like people ingrain in their brain. So somebody says, oh, that person hung up on me, as opposed to, wow, I'm really upset. It's, hey, one dial closer to a yes. One dial closer to a yes. That's what you are. Um, and then second, it's creating an environment. You know, it's one thing to make a cold call in a room that's quiet by yourself and you get hung up on and you go, that was terrible. And it's another thing to create an environment where you have people cheering and they're excited. You can turn to your neighbor, your partner, and they go, oh, yeah, you're fine. Keep going. So I think it's a little bit about how do you manage it psychologically to help people build resilience? You probably do that for different people different ways. But uh, for me, it's, hey, a no is one step closer to a yes. And second is how do you create an environment where people can feel okay getting hung up on or getting no's or that sort of thing? It's really interesting you should mention number three because more and more I've heard about how environment is so important for solopreneurs and also <laughs> entrepreneurs with ADHD, which I consider myself to be in one of the first things my coaches said, 
got to switch up your environment. And he, I showed him video, which I, one of the reasons why I use a, a virtual background is I want someone to see how sloppy and disorganized my office. Is. So I work from different coffee shops that I find sufficiently stimulating that I can create, but not so stimulating that, that they're distracting. I love it. I love it. Whatever works for you. Everybody's got their own different delicate balance of where you can be most productive. In our world, I'm firmly convinced making cold calls, dealing with rejection, listening to people who are the best at it, like doing that in a co-working space uh, is really important. You can't see it, but my cat in the background is slapping me with her paw, wanting attention. <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to say the cat was really into what I was saying. The cat is no, like, oh, no. invigorated. Um, See, I'm I'm sort know. of petting something that's invisible. There oh, she is. She uh, temporarily became visible. <laughs> yeah, hello, kid. No, honey, you need to go outside and not interrupt dad when he's working. <laughs> yeah. Dad's doing important right. stuff here. Let, let's continue. <laughs> um, so what are some of the biggest lies on LinkedIn you've seen recently? If we talk about LinkedIn marketing. Yeah, so we do a, we do our own podcast, which you're going to have to come on at some point, called The Grow Show. And I would love to. Yeah, we have different segments. And one of the segments is two truths and a lie from LinkedIn. So every week oh, I, love I, it. I, I go out and I find people who are telling the truth and that I like, and then I tell people. And then I sort of call people out for telling lies on LinkedIn. It's a fun thing, but, you know, on a slightly serious note, you know, the barrier to entry to giving people advice that they take on LinkedIn is a computer and fingers. So it's like, you know, we got to police this somehow, and I'm just – playing a, a tiny part, a tiny role. Um, there's a lot of chatter on LinkedIn. I want to get you a good one. Um, there's a lot of chatter on LinkedIn about sales right now and how, uh, how you should be adjusting how you're selling um, a lot based on last year or based on uh, recent performance. And I just... I feel like this is a problem because what you end up with is you end up with people who are doing something right. And then all of a sudden they make some huge change and now it's bad. And most of the time with sales, if you were winning and now you're like not winning as much, it's tempting to make some huge change. Don't make some huge change. Don't make some enormous change in sales. It, 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 it so rarely works. Get better at what you were doing before. Go back to what you were doing before. The world has not changed as much as you think it has. Buyer behavior has not changed as much as you think it has. Go back to what you were doing before and just do it better. So that's my that's a big lie I'm thinking through these days. I'm just thinking what pops into my mind yeah. is the role of AI and the fact that Things are changing so fast that what you used to do that may work no longer does. So, for example, in the world of online courses where people sell online courses on how to do things, et cetera, et cetera, that used to be very popular. Nowadays, people will not buy those things unless there's some kind of element of life support. So doing more of what you're doing that used to work no longer does. Someone came to me with one aspect of my business and said, look. You can either be Blockbuster or you can be Netflix. Right now, with what you're doing, you're Blockbuster. Within a year, if you don't go to AI, you'll be Netflix. So 
pushing back just a little bit here, which I warned you or informed yeah. you or, or told you that I would do, what would you say to me if I said, sounds good, but in the real world, things can change so rapidly that what you have been doing that's working just no longer is going to. Yeah. So I would differentiate, first of all, it's a great point. I would differentiate product from sales process. What I'm saying is don't change your sales process. Okay. Like, if your product is outdated or is going to be outdated or sucks or whatever, change your product, change what you change, what you sell. Absolutely. I'm just saying changing how you sell and going to do it. Like if your product sucks or is obsolete, you selling it a different way doesn't matter. I think what I'm seeing is more beyond beyond like product obsolescence. I'm seeing companies that are struggling um, for a variety of reasons, and they're changing the way that they sell in order to yes. uh, adapt to that. I don't think yes. you should do that, I guess is my yes. point. But should you change your product if it's obsolete or nearing obsolescence? Absolutely. Yesterday. Yeah, I think sales processes. So I personally, and I do my very best to make this as little about me as possible is yeah. I only work with people who have very successful sales processes. Uh, if they don't, I don't work with them. My job is to take my ability to use NLP and hypnotic language and inject it into that DNA. So they're able to see much better results with their existing sales processes. But how I, do you, Paul, I, I, Paul, can I ask you a question? Sure. How do you, how do you know someone has a great sales process? they have to be making a certain amount of money and they have to be having a certain amount of net profit. So when I work with someone, they have to be doing uh, at least a couple of million dollars and they have to have uh, sufficient margins for me to show, okay, they're doing things really well. And they have to have a certain amount of growth per quarter and per year. If I see that sort of an objective thing, but if I see that, I can see, okay, they have potential. What they're doing, though, is they they need help here, here, and here. If, for example, they're doing a, I have a potential client I haven't signed yet because we're going back and forth with the attorneys. For every 8,000 emails they send out, they're getting 50 leads. They're setting 50 appointments. So I know that's really bad. That needs to be improved. Uh, so I look at different elements of what they're doing and saying, this is working really well. This is not, here's where they could use tremendous improvement. And I can use my ability as a copywriter and somebody who does NLP to neurolinguistic programming to inject that into their languaging. So I don't want to take the processes that that are not at least op optimal and really make them super optimal. But let me get back to you and um, asking some questions for, sure. from you. By the way, I think most people's sales process stinks. I think so too. <laughs> I think, and I think even companies that have plenty of revenue have shitty sales processes. There's a, there's, I don't know if that's a hot take or whatever, but I, I'm fully confident if, if you went in and like you knew what a sales process was and it was defined and even you had a successful company and you looked at it, you know, eh, some of them are good, but most of them are very like loose. What's your approach to ensuring that your team not only understands the sales scripts, but also internalizes and believes in them. And I really like this, uh, the second part of the, that. I get internalized, I think I get, what do you mean by internalizing them and then believing them? Um, 
internalizing it to me, I'm going to get to believe in a second. Internalizing it to me is I could do my sales script and I could do something else at the same time. So I posted on LinkedIn and I just got the most hateful comments. It's like I have people memorize a sales script, memorize it. And to prove it, I have them send me voice notes. I thought it was the least controversial statement of all time. It was like water helps me when I'm thirsty. Like that's what I thought, which is what I do. Like I, we pay you a base salary to read the script. You can pay commission based on how well you do it and how well you adapt to people. Like that is my philosophy. And I don't care what level of, and I just got hate mail on direct messages, hate comments. I didn't even get it. But my philosophy is if I am a salesperson, give me a script. First, I'm going to figure out how to say the words. Then I'm going to figure out how to say the words with some feeling and inflection. And then I'm going to internalize it or figure out how to say the words while I'm doing something else. Like my sales, our best salespeople can do a sales pitch and cook dinner at the same time. So that's what I mean by internalize. <laughs> and then <laughs> I'm glad I got you to laugh, Paul. Um, and then in terms of belief, belief is different. Belief is the result of the product. So, you know, in, in order to believe, I think where a lot of companies miss is you got to make sure that sales hears the stories, good and bad, of the clients from the account managers or the customer success people. So we have regular schedule, regularly scheduled time. In fact, it's going to happen today, closed one Wednesdays, where our sales team is going to listen to all of the things going on with our account managers and therefore our clients. So that's what I mean by internalize, and that's what I mean by build belief. Little bacon, like it. And let's see. What is your, I have these screenshots. I hope you'll, um, I hope you'll, you'll pardon me that because these are, this is so extensive. What is a common mistake companies make when trying to generate sales meetings for their teams? Um, I, I think the, so there's, there are a few, um, the, I think the biggest mistake companies make is not considering meetings at all. So most companies not considering will, the what, sir, like sales meetings at all. So, and I'm going to give you an example of forecasting. So, uh, what most companies do is from a budgeting in budgeting season, right? They budget. We're going to do X amount top line, X amount Y amount bottom line. And in order to grow, in order to hit that top line revenue, we have to generate X amount in sales less you know, Z amount in attrition, and that's how we're going to get to revenue, right? So we're going to sell. And in order to sell, we need this many salespeople. Like we need 50 salespeople that are each going to sell $20,000 a month. I'm making up numbers in order to hit our revenue number. And that's how we're going to do it. And I think the biggest mistake people make is they don't build back to meetings. You got to build back to meetings. So we're going to sell $50,000, we need to sell, again, making up round numbers, we need to sell $50,000 a month to hit our sales goal. That means we need five salespeople, and each of those salespeople need to have 100 meetings. And that is your starting block, is the meetings, not the salespeople. Most, there's so, such a huge number of businesses think that salespeople generate revenue. Meetings generate revenue. And I think that's a really important distinction. Um, do you want to pause on that? Or you want me to go down the other? No, 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 tell no, you, no, look, no. You, look, you look like you look deep in thought. I am deep in thought by that because that that makes a uh, a ton 
of sense that they need to redirect their focus on what really matters and what really counts. I'm just thinking of, a, a, again, another company I'm working with and their their ability to set appointments to the closer really, is really suffering. They really need help there because, and they're just not getting that point. No, that's a, that's a really good one. I have a question for you. It's not in your bio. What were you doing before you were doing sales? Always been in sales. 22 years old, right out of college, pharmaceutical sales, then medical sales. I actually, fun fact, I, they made me take a sales aptitude test at 24 years old for my medical device sales job. And I think, and I think I scored the lowest in the history of the test. I think they told me that. <laughs> I really like that. That's hilarious. Before I got into the sales, into sales, I was a failed comedy writer. I wrote one of the worst movies ever made. It actually got made. Watch it with someone you dislike or you want to break up with. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. No, my dream is to do to do comedy. That's my dream. So oh, you know, no. <laughs> it's a mat it's a job for masochists. All right. We're pretty much at the end of our time. We've gone half an hour. Is there anything else you'd like to add to your message? Something that we haven't covered today that you think is essential that people understand about what it is you teach, your philosophy, what you do. And then after that, we'll ask how people can stay in the conversation with you. I hope I've said interesting things to this point. Yes, you have. Yes. Yeah. It would, yeah. It would like a very long bio and say very uninteresting shit that always would bug me out. Um, I think if I were going to, going to leave people with a thought, especially as we, you know, head into this year. Um, the thought I would leave people with specifically as it relates to sales is how do you make sure on your sales teams that you're having, like, you're giving more resources to your best sellers and not spreading out your resources amongst all sellers? That's what I would leave you with. Like concentrate your best sellers, get your best sellers, give them the most resources. Because I think in an environment like we're in today or now, um, the best sellers are still going to win. So I would make sure I had my best sellers and gave them the most resources and not spread resources over lots of sellers. That makes a ton of sense. Awesome. So I'm, I know that my viewers slash listeners will want to stay in the conversation with you. What's the best way to go about that? We'll put it in the show notes as well. Um, they should uh, message me on LinkedIn or text me, 314-852-3123. Give that number one more time. You think anybody's going to do it? Paul, I do this and nobody texts me, so maybe somebody will. Uh, text me, 314-852-3123. My audience is pretty interactive and they tend to jump on things. <laughs> All right, let's do it. All right. Thanks for being a great guest today. Stay on the line just for a second so we can chat a bit in the green room. And once again, this has been the Influencer's Edge. See you on the other side for the next episode. Bye now. The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Rapid Sales Accelerator. If you're ready to skyrocket your sales by 30% or more in just 90 days, then you need to claim your free training right now. You'll learn four words that will compel your prospects to trust you like they were children within the first three to five minutes of any conversation. 
across any platform and any medium. You'll learn how to give your prospects objection amnesia to crush objections like I need to talk to my spouse or I need more time to think it over or it's too expensive. And finally, you'll get a free recorded audio training that will install unbelievable attitudes for success and wipe out any limiting beliefs. So if you'd like to claim your free training now, go to www.paulrossbook.com. Do it before your competition does it now. Thank you for tuning in to the Influencer's Edge, where you get the latest breakthroughs, cutting edge insights, tools, and techniques so you can leapfrog over the pack at sales, influence, and persuasion. Remember to visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com to enjoy even more great episodes like this one. We look forward to seeing you again on the Influencers Edge Show.